0: This is episode one of the Blood and Train podcast. It's part of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane. And today on the very first episode of the Blood and Train podcast, I'm introducing to all of you listeners uh, the new wing of this podcast called Blood and Train, based on the training wing of Blood and Rain. Um, We're going to be discussing on this podcast... um, the nuts and bolts of training programming, whether it has to do with weightlifting or endurance training or the other the inner nuances of certain physical pursuits, whether that be Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, perhaps climbing, it's uh, so, or recovery and nutrition. Um, it's something that I'm very excited to dive into um, in more detail as a solidified wing of this podcast and a wing of Blood and Rain. And I'm very excited to have our first guest today. It's a guest that, if you're a listener of the podcast, you're familiar with uh, from back in the fall of 2021, um, a very, very strong young Christian man named Colin Bastro, uh from Wisconsin, incredible deadlifter, incredible squatter, um, and someone who's had an incredible training journey, uh, an incredible journey in general as a young man. Colin, thank you so much for being here.
1: You know, man, I feel like every single time we talk, you know, the conversation that we have inspires me, but the number of people that have reached out to saying that their podcast reached us, you know, is also a huge blessing to hear. So I am so grateful to be on today. You know, my voice isn't normally this deep, so I feel like I'm kind of letting your listeners down a little bit in terms of testosterone, but you know, I'm sure that we're <laughs> going to have a great talk today.
0: I, I I know we will. I know we will. Um, it's uh yeah, and, and to the listeners, uh, if you haven't listened um, yet, you know, Colin and I recorded you know, on the regular Blood and Rain podcast uh, back in the fall. And, you know, him and I, this is the fifth time we're recording it. Uh, I've been on Colin's podcast, the Primal Life podcast, uh, you know, once discussing sort of mental toughness about a year ago now, and then once discussing um, testosterone boosting with uh, Primal Thrive, the primia, um, once discussing, um, you know, my walk with God. And uh, once on Blood and Rain podcast, talking about Collins walking guy, you know, his fellow brother in Christ, and now uh, kind of getting into, you know, the nuts and bolts, it's, it's high time we've had some meathead talk a little bit, you know.
1: Yes, sir. Talk some specificity. Absolutely. Game plan. Um,
0: so, you know, I'd love to you know, talk about your training journey, because we talked about the in original, the original podcast, you came to training pretty young, you know, much when it comes to
1: you know weightlifting and strength and conditioning I'm much much younger than I did about you know 14 15 is that right Yes sir I was quite young freshman in high school I think I had a punching bag and some weights my eighth grade year but you know it was one of those things too where I was just like had no clue what I was doing I'd do like 1000 curls and then I'd take like a break for a week maybe hit the punching bag once or twice but it was very sporadic <laughs> and there's no method to the madness <laughs> So how how did that how did that
0: flourish you know once you got to high school you know how did you what what did that look like how did that evolve for the past five years?
1: Well, dude, I mean, it started off with people being bigger than me and wanting to hurt me. You know, it's it's one of those things too where I feel like so many people are bullied. You know, it's it's my story isn't special in that sense at all. You know, I was pushed around a little bit when I was younger, which is fine. You know, and that blessing too because it got me out of my comfort zone. But I realized that those people who hadn't lifted weights were significantly stronger than I was. You know, I was a bad cross country runner and then I got injured and then I realized I was just bad at everything. Tried to bench 135, dropped the bar from locked out arms onto my chest, you know, absolutely destroyed my sternum. And so I was like, there needs to be constant, there needs to be improvement. You know, how what can I do to be better? And initially it was just training arms every day, just, just training, doing curls, doing, I think I did some shoulder press too, but it was just this very very high volume approach for the muscle groups that should honestly be focused on last. Like I wasn't training back. I wasn't training legs at all. And so I got injured pretty quick again. And that kind of, uh, it was visiting a doctor and having them reframe the perspective of periodization and programming. And I was like, okay, it it blew my mind that training a muscle group twice a week was more effective than training a muscle group seven times a week. Like that just (laughs) in my mind, it did not work at all. (laughs) But, uh, that sort of sparked the journey. And then I noticed that I was really good at a few different lifts. And then I noticed that like, Hey, I'd look in the mirror and I'd have muscle in places that I didn't have previously people started noticing. Um, and so in in a very basic sense, I just picked that up and I accelerated tenfold. You know, I started training three days a week and then I was five days a week. And then I was seven days a week with recovery and focusing on like other skills as well too. And then it's just been a blast since then, you know, I, I don't, don't regret picking it up at all, and it's probably been the saving grace to a lot of pain and sadness in my life um, that would have been a lot worse otherwise, you know, not having an outlet at all, so, you know, it's been a been a great blessing and a great journey since then. That's
0: fantastic. So you're your high school athlete, you know, you're a cross country runner, you switched to... The weights, did you play any other sports at high school that the weights supplemented or it was really just about the iron?
1: Yeah, so uh, I was also a swimmer my sophomore year. And I was a really, really bad swimmer too because I muscle uh, as well. So I practically just sank to the bottom of the pool whenever I hopped on in. Uh, you know, it, it was, I got better throughout the season. But for me, it was just so boring and tedious, like just swimming back and forth for three hours straight. Like, there was no enjoyment in that for me. Like, there was, uh, it was very much one of those things where it was um, just not a sport that my mind was really geared towards. You know, I wanted intensity, and there was intensity in swimming, but you're just staring at the same exact floor the whole time. You know, that that for me wasn't it. Um, and so, like, I still found myself working out on the weekends, but I was, like, losing a ton of muscle, and I got shredded really, really quick um, just off of swimming three hours a day, six, seven days a week, and... It left me almost kind of back at like square one in the beginning when I was just like really skinny skinny runner slash you know swimmer boy who had no muscle to his name. But at this time I I was lean, so like I kind of kind of had an excuse not to be strong. But all my lifts dropped down to pretty much just like uh, a little bit above where I started at. Um, I had abs for the first time in my life, which was awesome. But for me, like it kind of I kind of got blinded to the. Areas that I could be pursuing, you know, I started the journey wanting to get jacked, wanted to put on a ton of muscle and, you know, being lean was kind of a distraction from that journey, but I wasn't, wasn't on it anymore. And so eventually, you know, the body dysmorphia sort of set in and I was like, I don't want to bulk cause I'll get fat, but I don't want to cut more cause I'll lose muscle. And so like, I, I was looking through these different pages online and I found this one T nation page. Have you heard of that website?
0: Oh yeah. I remember my early training days when I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, bodybuilding.com, but what didn't seem like it was it, and I found T Nation, and started pulling me in kind of the right direction, for sure.
1: Yes, sir. A lot of it's very bro-sciencey, but they got me on the on the right page when it came to at least learning some principles that went a little bit farther than train seven days a week, you know, smash your muscle groups, uh, do cardio to get lean type deal. And so I started focusing on diet at that point and learned a little bit more about proper nutrition. And uh, after the swim season ended, you know, it was very much, uh, I think my body was almost like cueing the muscle growth. You know what I mean? When you have like a, a period of your life when it's like very unoptimal for like muscle growth, you might get a little bit stronger. But the second you're out of that and getting proper sleep, proper nutrition, it just kind of like flies onto your body. You know what I'm, you know, kind of what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And so like having the stimulus and having the, the recovery time was huge for me. And so I was able to start like packing on a ton of muscle um, that, I think the first time I deadlifted, we talked about this last time, I hit 365 for like 148 pound dude, um, over two times body weight. That's, that's quite decent. And next pretty thing you know,
0: <laughs> what'd you say, sorry? That's pretty unbelievable. When I first heard that, I was like, wow. It's natural purely,
1: yeah, it's purely having a strong back like that. That's it. My back is my one genetic, you know, strong point. That probably puts me a little bit ahead of most people, naturally. And I was like, I'm really good at this. I want to get really good at this. I want to set some records. And so next thing you know, I'm this 160-pound, maybe 150-pound dude, like ripping out 405 on the deadlift. Um, my early junior year, I joined powerlifting team. My bench was awful. My squat was awful. But I had a really, really good deadlift. And so being able to improve that and like having a coach to kind of like assist me along the, along the way. Um, he passed away recently, unfortunately, but he was a great driving force in the matter because for the first time ever, um, minus some, some of my peers really commenting on my, my change, I had someone who was like, you know, you're really good at this. You should like really pursue this. And I was like, I guess you're right. I really should do this. And being able to watch that improve and like, surpassed most of the other people in my peer group it has been a blast um it's it's been really funny though because like i would go back to like that weight room my senior year when i wasn't really at the school all that much i was mainly lifting at uh, one of the other gyms i go to and i'd have these like 130 pound frail dudes tell me that i should i could be deadlifting more if i switch it off but it's like dude you can't even pull half the weight that i'm lifting it's like i am not i am I'm, I'm one who loves to learn but it's like i'm not learning from you you know <laughs> yeah yeah, and that was, that was sort of like the main beginning. It was just realizing that I had the potential to be great at something, and then wanting to max it out. It's like so many people. If if you have a gift, it's like the second I know I have a gift, dude, I want that gift to be the best it can be. You know, to pursue every avenue that I can to be the number one in my sport. You know, I wouldn't want to settle for number two if I happen to be number two. But I gave, I but I put all the work in to be number one. I'm more okay with that than. Trying to be okay versus trying to be incredible.
0: Absolutely, I mean it's that striving. It's you know you you, you, you do everything you absolutely possibly can. You know you leave everything out there. You know you know you don't get to number two with that kind of thing in the back of your head, saying like I could have done more. That's an awful feeling
1: for a man. Yeah, dude. You know my, I, I had a, I think my uh, my, my whenever someone would ask me like when does it end. Um, I think I was like, my, my phrase, my, what I, what I would reply to them was when I'm, when I'm number one, when I'm at the top, you know, I wanted to be elites. I didn't want to be advanced. I wanted to be elite. I wanted to be the best I could be, um, and like not leave any avenue on pursuit that I could take to be the best outside of anabolic use at such a young age. I was not okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, uh. I
0: think going the natural route and being the best you can naturally is, is the way to go. Just just for long-term health, honestly. Oh, 100%.
1: Um,
0: yeah. There's some brutally strong dudes who are natural, too. Like, you didn't cheat their way with the juice. I mean, like, you don't... Know, like, you, you, you see the amount of, you know, weight that some of these guys are picking up. You know, world-strongest man, Ty's Maris Pujanowski... Um, you know, everyone's seen, you know, Ronnie Coleman, dude, you know squat 800 for bodybuilding purposes, right? But um, and that's pretty difficult with steroids, but to, to get there naturally, like you're doing, like that's a lot of discipline, and a lot of reverence as well.
1: Nicole, can you hear me hello 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 oh there we go okay, cool. okay i think we cut out for a second you know man i totally agree with what you said about being natural it's like honestly my best when i was my best so right now a little bit down on deadlifts just due to a small back nerve issue that isn't game-changing but for me it's just something that i had to pull back in the training a little bit and unfortunately when you got to 600 plus pound deadlift the small central motor system adaptations make a huge difference um And so, like, not training heavy deadlifts for six months, put my deadlift probably down a good 50-ish pounds, which is fine because I'll I'll build it back up. But I got to 635, honestly, training pretty badly. You know, I remember, and this was something I look back at and just kind of cringe just a little bit. I was, there was one period last year where I deadlifted 12 times in 14 days. I remember, I know, I remember, and the thing was, I was getting better every single time. So, like, I kind of had a reason not to stop. Like, I was literally adding 20 pounds to my PR every single time I pulled, which was incredible. And I was getting, just noticing all these really cool adaptations um, that shouldn't have been there. But I think it was just, I think it was just honestly luck like of the draw that my body was able to somewhat recover from it. But towards the end of that period, dude, I just had the worst flu symptoms. I was so overtrained and I wanna say those those symptoms carried over for the next few months. Like that two-week period of just deadlifting pretty much every single day set me back maybe four months. I didn't get injured from it, but like the amount of time it took to recover from that and the amount of I think just just like disruption of my natural like body and like hormonally was something that really kind of set me back like a long way and made me kind of rethink programming. Like the best deadlifter I know, he deadlifts once a week, just once a week, and I was mm-hmm. like, and that kind of um changed up my mind. I, I knew about periodization back then, but that was sort of the catalyst for like, if this guy can do it once a week, why am I doing it three, five times a week? And he's better, a lot better, at every single lift. It's like I got to be listening to this guy, who's also natural too. So like that, that was uh, one of the bigger catalysts for. Switching up my programming now, and then focusing on some of the other variables that we can get into later in this podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, what you're kind of saying, I think, almost a lot of the, especially the young cats need to hear, who are just, you know, be going at it in such a way where they think, like every workout is like this trial by fire, like do or die. and it's it's, it's it's a longer game. I mean, um, I have a very similar story to that. I had a back in 2016, I had this. Came across, I was broke as hell, right? So I didn't have any, any money to, you know, hire a strength coach. I just kind of decided that, you know, I wanted to be a martial artist full-time. Um, this, yeah, this is, like, the fall of 2016. I met this strength coach who was uh, Tennessee State Champion bodybuilder and powerlifter. And I said, I need a strength coach for fighting. And he kind of looked at me you know, like salivating. He's like, you should be a bodybuilder, Arthur. You have the perfect Genetic potential, the frame, the muscle bell. I was like, Yeah, cool, man. Like, I'm trying to be a fighter. So, like, <laughs> he gave me some programming for that. And he's like, Yeah. And I was doing, was doing uh, just just kind of this absurdity it re- that really worked. But I didn't realize I was actually doing the workout he gave me too much. Or basically, you, know, you start, you know, five by five, um, but you're doing five squats and then five deadlifts per set with two minute rest. And I started doing that at 275, and then the next time you do five by five again, then it turns to six by six for each. Then it eventually turns to ten by ten for each, right? Oh my God! And so you're doing 200 reps with these barbells at 275. I remember you know, doing that workout, and it's just this iron marathon. Um, and then you make then you make a 50 pound jump. So then I got to 325. Um, so I'm doing 325 five by five, six by six. Gets to the point where it's doing seven by seven. And, you know, spacing it out in such a way that it would have been, it would have actually worked consistently if I was on top of my nutrition. But, like, I was not on top of my nutrition. My sleep at all, this is purely muscular system based, you know, not really central nervous system based. And it was actually the night that Trump got elected. And I remember I was getting as sick as a dog. And my best friends would be like, You want to take a day off? And I was like, No, I have to. <laughs> yeah. And I was sick for like three weeks. And I felt the effects of what I was doing to my body by like pushing through that, not, you know, feeding myself properly. You know, like, you know, you know, it's November 3rd or whatever it was. like. I didn't really get back in the game until February. It was bad, you know. A lot of these young cats are trying to be a hero in the gym, and they redline themselves. I feel like
1: every young lifter goes through that. I want to say, though, it is probably a better problem to have training too hard than, like, not hard enough, you know. Because at that point, it's like, it, is, it is a mental battle to scale it back. But instead of, like, having to push someone forward and make them train harder, which I feel like is a lot harder of a battle to pursue... It's one of those things, too, where it just kind of, you know, logic takes over if they are smart enough to realize that what they're doing right now isn't, isn't strategic, and instead they're performing tactically, which has its merits in certain circumstances. Like, I want every single person I train with, you know, it's really fun to redline. It's really fun to give. So yeah, it's it's Yeah, it's literally medicine for me to, like, when I'm done with one of my runs to sprint the last mile and a half and to hurt. Like, I, I tell people, it's like, I want, I'm almost masochistic, dude, when it comes to, like, my workouts. But there's that assassin part of me that's, like, kind of reels it back a tiny bit and, like, understands that, do I want to get better? Yeah, I want to get better. Then I have to reel it back just a tiny bit. It's uh, the, the guy who I, who I was telling you about who deadlifts significantly more than I do. It's funny because uh, he brings it up every single time I see him now, but um, he the, the 12 deadlift sessions in uh, in 14 days but he had a conversation with me and this really stuck and I was trying to justify my training. And I'm like, but yeah, I'm getting better. You know, I'm a, I'm a good deadlifter. It's working really well. And then he goes, do you want to get better? And I'm like, yeah, well, and he's like, do you want to get better? And I'm like, I guess. And then I tried to tried to fight him again on it. And he's like, do you want to get better? He's like, then, then take, take your rest days or not a program properly. And that was uh, one of the bigger wake up calls for me because I realized, I realized that I had almost like a, a three year training approach When instead I should have been training for, for 20, 30 years. Like it's, it's the longevity, the longevity that that separates the good athletes from the best athletes. Most of these powerlifters who are natural are hitting the records, you know, when they're in their early thirties, maybe, maybe even early forties, you know, so I still have a few years left to improve. And if it means not being in a wheelchair when I'm, when I'm 50, I, I think that's a win.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I tell people, too. Like, when people, clients come to me for training, you know, first of all, I ask them, you know, what, do you, what are your eight-week goals, right? Uh, and I said, what are your six-month goals, okay? Um, the reason for that, like, you know, the, the, the smallest unit of periodization that we have is about two weeks. Uh, you see the way that my, my primary system for, for programming, um, everything comes from strength. Strength is apparent quality. You know, even for endurance, you know, power, hypertrophy, strength is the parent quality. Um, so it's rooted in the Soviet weightlifting system. Um, and you know, the the, the smallest uh, unit we have is two weeks. So the first week is you know kind of a primer, and then the second week we go a bit heavier and we make that jump because the the CNS can only take two heavy lifting weeks out of four. Um, so I asked him, you know, what are your eight-week goals? So you have four of those little two-week blocks. But really, that, that eight-week block is part of, like, a six-month block. You know, that's that, that's really, you know, a pretty solid cycle of training. But if we're really looking at the overarching gameplay, Olympic athletes, they have four years of programming out of them in these Olympic cycles. But even then, they're thinking, like, not even four years, like, 16 years down the line. Like, you know, yeah, you're competing. You know, in the next, you know 2024, but I'm really thinking down the line, like 2036. You know, it's it's it is a long game when it comes to pushing these. You know, these these pure attributes of the body. A lot of people don't understand that. I think they can willpower, and there are certain things you can do. You know, you can accelerate things by. You know, more technical sport like you know martial arts. Like you can. Push the pace on your development like crazy, but when it comes to expanding, just true physical attributes, like this is a long game and it takes a lot of planning and a lot of discipline.
1: One hundred percent, you got to start training almost like a scientist instead of a instead of a you know muscle head. You know, that was the game changer for me, dude. It was what can we focus on that isn't max effort? Because that was every single day for me was a max effort day. I was max effort squatting three times a week i was max upper benching two to three times a week i was snapped up i was injured constantly um and i was still getting better i feel but that was i feel like I was just a fluke and for me it was okay what can we do now to get better that isn't lifting heavy and it was speed work force is mass times acceleration you know if you can work mm-hmm. that acceleration part and get your body better at accelerating the weight that's more force right there so i started training that i started Um, this was almost more so just for like overall health, but I started running on my rest days and maybe actually, I think I programmed like another rest day into my week as well too, where I just focused on like very light conditioning work and noticed my body got significantly better at recovering. And then next thing you know, I'm running, uh, 10 K's effortlessly. I I used to be a really bad runner. Um, I was okay. I was okay. But I was one of the worst cross country runners on the, I actually think I was the worst cross country runner on the team. And then next thing you know, in this current like uh, season of training, I'm beating all my high school times and casual runs, all my race times on casual runs and recovering better too. And so that was, that for me was a big, a big saving grace because I, I think my body can recover a lot better from running than it can from lifting. At least I can, I, I might feel like I'm recovered from the lifting, but there's been a long, there's been a lot of periods of my training where I just don't make any progress And for me, being able to throw something else in there that isn't as intensive, but gives me that, you know, thing that I can train really hard. Like, I love running. Like, running's been a blast for me. It feels so good to throw, like, an audiobook in and then just to zone out for an hour and a half. Like, that's been one of the coolest things for me because I've been able to get really good at something that I kind of hated in the past, as well as work on my recovery and get better at the gym at the same time. Like, I'm the strongest I've been right now overall than I have in, like, years, purely because I'm working on other variables that aren't just how heavy can I lift in this given given squat session.
0: You know, that's, like a te- that's really a testament to, you know, a number of things, the solid programming, to, you know, being very methodical in your approach, and to the fact, again, that strength is apparent quality. Um, I was a track athlete in high school. I ran the mile in the 800. Um, you know, the mile got down to 434. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, most, much smaller than I'm much bigger now. Um, I'm not quite there, but I was, I was, I, I was explaining, you know, this to some of my teammates in my fight team. Um, I'm the heaviest competitor. I, I walk around at 215, I fight at 209. Um, and, you know, they, there <laughs> was a, it was a conversation I had with my coach the other day after a pad session, with one of my teammates, uh, lighter fights at 127, he went, and then. I had my first round in between rounds. Like, my coach kind of looked at me it and it's been a while since we worked properly, he just one on one. He's like, Arthur's what we call a, an oh fuck fighter. It's like anyone can be big and strong. He's big and strong, and he has a gas tank, and he's fast. Like, very few people have all four of those attributes. And a lot of the guys, you know, the, the, the lighter guys were seeing the fact that, like, I had a gas tank. And then, but they were seeing me lift ungodly amounts of weight after fight team practice. And they're like, how are you doing all this? Like, I don't get how you're, I'm like, well, I'm on top of my recovery. I'm on top of my nutrition. And my program is is as such, right? I got down to these, you know, pre-solid mile times. And one guy said, you know, you're probably focusing on that more than Muay Thai though. And I said, no, I'm I'm, I'm plugging this in a very time efficient program. And you just need to know where all the chess pieces are. And now I'm taking care of their conditioning. Um, so it's, it's, you know, pe- people, people also think, you know, pretty erroneously that when, when you cultivate, you know, a lot of muscle, you cultivate a lot of strength, like you're completely sacrificing a capacity for conditioning when you're actually creating a more stable environment, um, long-term to build that kind of conditioning like you're talking about.
1: Exactly. You know, it's one of those things too, where it's like, is it possible that I might've, you know. Handed a, a few pounds off my bench squat deadlift in lieu for like in in, uh in absence of of running and being a good runner, it's possible. You know, I might not be as good of a lifter if I hadn't picked up running, but like the level of well being that I've experienced since then, and my recovery going through the roof, I think has made up for that tenfold. It's like maybe that extra session of lifting here and there might have made me a little bit better, but learning something new being loving, doing something new too. Like it's, running for me has been like such a a breath of fresh air because it's like I lifted weights for six, five, six years religiously, got kind of bored of lifting weights. And now it's, I can focus on other variables that aren't what I know and get good at something that I wasn't good at before. And like that, that for me is where I get super passionate about something where it's like, I I tell people like, if, if I can, if someone can give me something that I suck at, but I know that I can get really good at it, if I just suffer and like go along with it and like work religiously at it, then I, I'm set, dude. Like, if if I have the opportunity to gain knowledge, to gain experience, to gain skill at something, dude, I I'm all in, and it's such a great feeling.
0: It really is. Like when, when you when you know that, yo, you can pour all that that willpower in. That's certainly it's 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 a game changer in life for sure. Not just for the body, but in life. Yeah. Um, and it better prepares you for every aspect of life like world we're, we're, we're spiritual beings. Um, we're also physical beings and strengthening that body creates a house for your mind to thrive and your spirit to thrive. Um you know what it getting down so you know, you join the powerlifting team in high school and you know, rest recipes rest in peace to your coach. Like, what was the, the shift for you programming-wise, like, now that you had a maestro? Like, what, what were some of the things that he was explaining to you that uh, had you start to be a lot smarter with your training?
1: Less is more. Less is more. And for me, that's what I needed to hear, man. Realizing that the law of diminishing return, the law of accommodation, the more you do something, the less beneficial it becomes. And the more negative uh, variables get introduced as well, too, over training – fatigue, injuries, and that for me was the biggest game changer. It was realizing that in squatting once to twice a week would be better than three to four. Benching once to twice a week would be better than the five that I think I was doing on my max. That was, that was uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I think I got, as well as focusing on the long picture instead of like the short picture. Like I would have these dead, like initially on my powerlifting career, I would have these, these workouts where my day would just be ruined when I didn't hit the single that I was supposed to hit. When I didn't move the weight that was supposed to be easy, (laughs) my day would be so messed up. And I would start almost, you know, like self talking myself into what I need to be doing different and I'd get more obsessive. And that just wasn't the case, dude. That was, those were the times I think I need to pull off the gas pedal a little bit program an extra rest day in, reevaluate my approach, and I think I would have gotten better off of that. Dude, it's like I tell people it's like you want to (laughs) be if you truly want to be great, three hour workout three hour strength sessions are not it. An hour to an hour and a half max. Recover. You can only gain muscle and you can only get stronger from what you can recover from. And you might be able to get away with it for two weeks. But dude, you need your sleep. You need your sleep, you need your carbs, your protein, and to realize that more volume isn't always better. It might be, depending on the circumstances. But if you are passionate about the gym, you're most likely not that 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 uh, not training hard enough part isn't probably applicable to you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's typically you know the opposite. Uh, is true, you know. They, they get your foot off the gas a little bit, like you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you when there, there are certain principles, and I, I say this too. Like, if you know the principles of training, if you know the physical principles. Getting into those those root you know how to program effectively. Like, I have days where I'm I'm doing, you know, a, a bunch of different lifts, and then you know, I'm, then I'm doing hypertrophy. You know, focus on a certain muscle group. You know, I'm focusing not on the central nervous system, but the muscular system. Um, to, to you know, to expand the muscle fibers. You know, expand the sarcoplasm or create some more sarcomeres with some you know, myrofibular hypertrophy. Yes, um, sir. But, I mean, the way I go about it, too, it's like I have an hour strength session, and I take a half-hour break or an hour break or hours on it, and then I'm doing um, hypertrophy, you know, well-fed, you know, kind of removed from it. And when I do those, you know, those central nervous system base lifts, it's adhering to the Soviet weightlifting principle. think principles. So if I have a set of five, I'm doing it at a weight I can do for ten. I said, if three Thanks. of doing it, or weight I can do for nine, and it's just pressing the central nervous system enough, the point where gaining, but I don't really need that much for recovery. Um, I got other things to oh, balance between Muay Thai and just life in general. Um, yeah, but which, what? But you know, when you, when you get to this powerlifting team, like what was a uh, what was kind of like some of the typical splits and programming that they're having you do?
1: Oh, uh, we would um, uh, let, let me think back to that. I want to say chest and triceps uh, one day one day was a deadlift and back deadlifts back and then we had some curls thrown in there one day was chest and triceps and then one day was deadlifts and then the rest of the like we, we he gave us the opportunity to train other days in the week as well too and I always took up those opportunities but for me the programmed days that we had were those days and so I was in in the gym probably three four other days during that week. Um, but it was three, three days focusing on squats for one day, the deadlifts and back on one day, and then chest and triceps on another day. And that was that I wish I kind of pursued that a little bit more. Like I kind of fell out of that, like almost smart style training after pyro thing season ended, but that was, uh, that was sort of the approach that he used. Um, and for me, it was just, you know, I had no problem showing up to the sessions. I think I was still in swim at that time. So like I couldn't hit all of them, but the second I was out of the swim team, that I was able to show up every single day. I was lifting six, seven times a week, putting in the work. Um, in that sense, instead of just in the pool, and so that that was uh, that was sort of the program that approach that he used. And I think honestly, for most younger athletes, pretty much everything works. And that's not a fun answer to give to people, but if you're in the gym, you will get better especially if you're younger, it's when you hit that intermediate and definitely advanced stage that you have to become really methodical with your training. Like, I tell beginners that they can practically walk by a gym and put on muscle. Like, they can look at a gym, look the gym's way, and gain a few pounds of muscle just because their body wants to put it on so bad. But once you hit that immediate intermediate and definitely advanced marking, you won't be able to do that. You have to be a lot, lot more methodical, a lot more um, precise with how you train, And recover from
0: big time, big time. Uh, So when it comes to like you know, give me run me through some of the programming they were giving you like on a day like your your back day. Like what were the core rudiments? Like how was each workout itself set up?
1: Yeah, so I want to say we had five by five deadlifts. Uh, That was like one of the basic ones, and I want to say we did a variation of that, like five by three, uh, four by five, four by three, four by four. Um, it was very, our deadlifts were very strength, strength and, uh, max effort focused. And so we hit the deadlifts and I think we do a rowing exercise and then we would have, um, one other back exercise. I want to say, so we do like a barbell row and then we'd have like an upright row thrown in there too, which for some people it's like, that just shows red flags for like shoulder health and stuff like that. Quite honestly, we were young. We weren't using a whole lot of weight and we weren't, were we are all fine for it too. Um, And then after that, we'd have, like, just basic, you know, five-by-five curls um, for the back day. Chest was pressing movements and then an emphasis on the triceps. So we would do, I think, uh, normal bench press for, like, I want to say five-by-five as well, too. It was a very, very simple five-by-five program. And then we would do, I think, a dumbbell press as well as maybe, um, I want to say we had, like, a shoulder shoulder movement in there, too. I don't exactly remember what it was, but it was very strength focused. Um, there was one kid in the Parleafing team who, first year that he was squatting, this kid weighed probably 195. The first year of squatting, he hits 480 on squat with good form. The dude's a sophomore in high school at this time, and unfortunately, we're not friends anymore, but the kid was a monster. It's like, it really showed, you know, genetically, like, some people are off better than others. You know, there's there's some kids on the team who, whether it wasn't, you know, they weren't actually trying all that hard during their workouts or, like, focusing on nutrition outside of it. They just did not get better. Um, still friends with a lot of them to this day, but it's like, they gave up after a certain point because they just weren't seeing any progress in the gym. And I, I think it might have been partially genetics, but partially them, too, and that just we're taking some honesty to look at the programming and then revamp, or looking at, look at, how they are treating the programming, and then reevaluate. That's it's a very individual thing that someone has to do. Like the coach can never make you work harder; it has to be you doing it. But um, we there's a few of us that had some success, a few of us who didn't, and probably mix of genetics, probably mix of you know only being our first six months of actually doing legit powerlifting. But this at towards the end of the the second powerlifting season, I think I. I was pulling 475 around then, which was a good feeling to have. Wow. Wow. When it comes to, like,
0: the, the 5 by 5 it's kind of like a traditional, like, you know, two-, three-minute rest in between, like, a muscular system base or to go primary central nervous system, like, five-minute rest. Like, what was the, what was the philosophy on, on rest in between sets for your high school powerlifting team?
1: So, I want to say our coach, uh, he wanted us to be a little bit more methodical, our two to three minute rests. Um, I, at that point, I just like every single session that I had, I practically was training to kill someone. I was in there looking for blood. So, I was doing like 45 seconds of rest. And, you know, I'd always get the, he would always call me out for it. But I just wanted to hurt. You know, that, that was what I wanted to go through at that time. It was, that was probably like peak, you know, masochistic, you know, just wanting to suffer in the moment. Like, what can I do to be in pain? That's what I was asking myself every single time I train. Um, it was probably more muscular based. Um, we did gain a lot of sense. there were, was a lot of central nervous system adaptations, um, and I, I want to say th- even the people who weren't probably weren't training the hardest. They still benefited from that definitely. Just you know their body learning how to learning how to lift effectively and distribute energy. And lifting is almost a skill, like learning how to like Have, have you heard of neural drive before? no i haven't so like it's it's the idea of literally focusing harder and eliminating distractions and then zoning in on what you're doing to like a hundred percent like your brain is a hundred percent working towards that lift at that given moment you'll lift more like the best lifters are the most focused lifters when they're lifting and that's what i think if there is something aside from you know be having a strong back and strong like strong like, glute strong hamstrings that probably was what set me ahead of most people because I was just I was seeing red every single time I lifted and it allowed me to lift a lot more than I think most people would like I was every single time I picked up the barbell I was almost Almost daring it to try and kill me, you know I almost it it was almost this uh this this fight between me and like me and the weights. It's like I look at them and be like, you know i'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself trying to lift you and that made me better probably initially, but it was one of those things that had to change later on. You know that sort of ramp up, right
0: and that like that that affinity for suffering like it's 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 an asset. But it can also majorly get you into trouble. I remember, you know, when I first came to Orthodoxy, as practicing green martyrdom, which is martyrdom through labor. And I, like, took that obsession to, like, a pretty unhealthy levels sometimes. Like, I'd get off at 3 in the morning from bartending. I'd go to Denny's with the guys, scarf down two everyday value slams, and be at the gym at 4 in the morning until 6, 8, 6, a.m., Go home, eat some food, and sleep by seven thirty, I'm up again at one thirty. Then I'm in the Muay Thai gym until I have to go back to the bar at eight. Like it was just it, it's dude, some some of the things that I was doing, like, you know, let's do a two hour jump rope workout. And then like you you, know, you haven't really eaten that much. You're gonna slam a bunch of uh, high volume kettlebell work and then max out on heavy squats. was just looking back and like you were you were about the suffering first rather than um, just the programming, and you know, th- th- there's other ways that you can sort of channel that more effectively. Like, it's that's great towards a conditioning workout, you know, it's great towards a bag workout. But um, when you're sort of in that suffering first, you kind of lose sight of the overarching plan.
1: Um, the problem, uh, the problem with it is it just feels so damn good. Like, especially, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, especially as guys, dude, when we're suffering, we're having almost the best time of our lives. Like, yeah. There's yet. So the other night when my flu symptoms were starting, I don't know what I had, but like for one day, just I slept 24 hours in a day and a half, you know, all better now. And I can't wait to go back to the gym tonight. But dude, I, uh, I remember, you know, I had, I had the flu symptoms starting to start. I went to the grocery store, picked up uh, a few, you know, the, I don't know exactly what size of bags of ice, but I picked up like the bigger bags of ice that I could find. And then I was like, I'm gonna take an ice bath. I'm gonna suffer. I want to suffer. I, I didn't get to work out today. I just want to be in pain. So I, I set like a 20 minute timer, filled the bathtub full of ice and water, and I just sat in it. And that was, dude, that was my paradise for the day. That was my relaxation. It was just hurting, and you know, I wasn't able to train. So I, I, I think there's some really cool Wim Hof, you know, stuff on you know breathing and cold and cold exposure. And so I was just like. You know my my legs are absolutely destroyed from yesterday. You know Bulgarian split squats to failure, hack squats to failure, absolutely murdered me. So I'll get a little bit of recovery from this, and i will just gonna be in pain. And I was like, and that that's dude, that for me, that was probably the highlight of my day. It was just
0: hurting. <laughs> I completely understand. We had a we have three guys uh, coming up. and have a fight coming up January twenty second out here in the bay and you know like we're gonna do some body conditioning for these guys you can join it if you want and you know you're like slamming tie pads at each other's stomachs and then you know putting on the gloves and um taking taking licks basically to the to the obliques to the rib cage um and at, at the end of every you know muay thai session with one teammate i asked the hardest kicker in the gym to kick me in the legs you know a bunch of times and like the, the further i press and that you know the more alive i become um well, men, men are built for that. i like yeah. they, they actually, are there's, there's there's something in the programming, of, of, of the, the makeup. We the God created man. Like we cultivate that, that, that practice of suffering. It's like well, it's voluntary too, right? We prefer that that initial, you know, suffering. Like we we had the agency and we chose to, you know, voluntarily suffer to grow stronger. So that way, something down the line that pops up in life. Make it suffer more. It's, it's a hardening, um. It's a feeling of that weakness leading the body that is you know very therapeutic. Yes, sir. Um, you know when it comes to you know the programming in high school, it's 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 pretty impressive because it sounds like you know you had a pretty solid like power building base and you know for the listeners. Um, power building is sort of like a portmanteau of, uh, of power lifting and bodybuilding. You know, it's it's engaging the muscular system. Um, both in strength, you know, like the shorter range strength of uh in the, the let's take it an aside too for uh, for the listeners to get some principles in. Strength, you know, strength in its truest form, you know, lives in one to five reps. Right? Yes, you know, yeah. once can you, you max it for it's more testing, so really you're talking about two to five. Um Two to three reps is pure central nervous system. So you're leaving the muscular system alone. So it's, that's an asset to live in that range. Um, four to five, you have the central nervous system being the primary system engaged with the muscular system now engaged as a secondary system. Anything, you know, six reps, it's it's most you have the central nervous system involved, but it's, it's now primarily the muscular system. It's your work capacity workouts um, when you're doing, you know, six to eight reps and you have, you know, some bodybuilding stuff. Um, so when you have, you know, a, a power building base, you know, it's, it's a strength base that's relying on the muscular system, especially when the rest are shorter than five minutes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, for, for a lot of guys who really just want sort of like general strength and hypertrophy, it's great. It sounds like that's, you know, that's what you're doing in your high school. And it's, it's impressive because you, you, you don't see that kind of that programming in a lot of high school, you know, strength and conditioning programs.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, you know, I think uh, when my deadlift progress started to really, like, skyrocket, and it's funny that this kind of comes to my mind now because I've never really thought about it, I was mostly doing singles when my deadlift got really good because my mindset at that time was I'm going to put as much weight on the bar as I can that I can still lift it, you know, for for an easy single, and I'm just going to pull that. So my workout was honestly probably, like, pyramiding up to, like, one heavy single at 5.45, 5.50, and that was the end of my deadlift session. Um, And I got really strong off of that, and I want to say I've probably squeezed out most of the central nervous system adaptations that I can at this point in my training. Like, I don't really know if there's going to be much of a change in how much I can lift purely based off of that. I think there might be, maybe later down the road especially, but, like, right now, I mostly have to focus on, like, the other less glamorous variables, like speed work, band work, learning how to, uh, use variations to make my weak points my strengths and then make my strengths my even even stronger like that's the cool thing it's like most people most people they think that if i train my strengths i'll get stronger and that is probably true but if you train your weak points and you make your weak points your strong points your strong points just got incredibly good because they're not held back anymore and that's that for that that's what a lot of people need to focus on
0: absolutely absolutely i mean you have to the game plan, what what is you know, uh, essentially holding you back, and, and and taking it aside in terms of central nervous system, uh, I feel like uh, you know I could talk shop about. I think there's actually a lot of ways that you, know, you can press such a nervous system further. Um, it's weird. It's 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 kind of it's getting kind of getting out of your own way. That, that that protocol I talked about earlier, you know, you give a, you know you're doing an exercise of five reps, right? Pick a weight you can do for eight to ten, and just do it for five. You know, I've had guys message me saying, "You know, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but like I'm skyrocketing in strength." And I'm like, "What the hell's the problem?" And yeah, like, I, I, I don't, I don't. Know. Like they want that suffering aspect that you're talking about, dude. The um, suffering,
1: I gotta say, dude, man, like it's. If if you, if someone asked me like, what's the best part of training, whether it was like early on, if it, whether it was getting the girl, whether it was, you know, looking really good, dude, it was just being in pain. That was my paradise was how much pain can I be in and still like, and still, uh, I, I don't even know how to really put into words. Like when I, when I literally like the best times of my life have been going on runs at three in the morning when I should be asleep and just hauling, hauling it until like, I can't, can't move anymore. And ending it knowing I gave it my all, dude. Like it's if, if training if training for me, if I didn't have that you know bust ass feeling, I don't think I'd be doing it anymore. Like it doesn't feel good to half ass anything. And you and me, we both have to be methodical, especially where we are now in our training. But to still have that like twenty percent of just you know just pain—that's that's what I look forward to every single part of my workout. I went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym the other day, which is something I'm planning on going right back to because I had a blast. And it was funny because uh, there were some people there who I was actually able to hold my own against who were like regulars, just purely based off being significantly stronger than them. And they still destroyed me when they got the advantage. But for me, you know, that strength was was a huge advantage um, with where I was at in the training. But it it was funny because uh, I was just giving it 110% they, they weren't because they knew, like, how to conserve energy, how to be more methodical, with how they moved. Um, but I was struggling for the whole hour and a half that, that it was. And at the end, the instructor pulls me aside and goes, you had the biggest smile on your face I think I've ever seen. Like, especially especially when you're being choked out or, like, being put in, like, submissions. You you looked like you were having the time of your life. And I was like, this is the most one I've had in years. Like, th- just being in pain. And, like, almost almost being up against someone who is significantly better than me and knowing that I'm probably screwed, but I might not be, especially if I, you know, really, really use my brain and my body, I might not be. That was the best feeling I think I felt in, in years. Dude, like, uh, it
0: <laughs> yeah, but you and I are, uh, you're really similar in that regard. There's, a uh... One of my sparring partners, he's use the the California Golden Gloves heavyweight champion in boxing. We're doing hard body conditioning. He's like, dude, I've literally never seen anyone like smile so much when they're getting just like hands behind your head, getting wailed on in the ribcage. Like he's like, I, I don't understand. You. Like I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, with guys like us too. And I think you know, I feel, I feel like most guys who really, really get into it, like. Um. Eventually, got to put the suffering, like suffering without a purpose. We have to sort of preface this. Is is fruitless, right? It's just yes. I mean, it makes it makes no sense. We when you get too distracted with suffering, like you're not actually advancing life. Um, but like I and pe- people ask me this too, like you know which 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 workouts can I really like just 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 get going just get suffering well i tell them tell me you know pretty much similarly the same thing right so in my mind strength it's that's a long game strength's a lot more zen. so i said in it you know if you looking for suffering that's in it's purest form like i was saying before like you know really you're talking about like two to five reps set in five to 15 minute rests and like i said you're doing that protocol like if you if you do that protocol that is historically yeah listeners the most successful weightlifting system to this day yes, is yes. the Soviet weightlifting system.
1: Yep. These yes. guys were doing,
0: yeah, it, 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 it doesn't matter if you're doing steroids or not. It's just they they, they figured out the principles, like incredibly precise and adaptation of the central nervous system. Like I posted on my Instagram story today a picture of David Rigger, Um And oh, Pavel yes. Satsulin talked about this on, on, I think, his podcast with Tim Ferriss like six years ago. Um, he said David Rigger was in the, worked in the mines all day, so his muscular system was fried. Um, so he was kind of like the, the original guinea pig, a pioneer for the Soviet weightlifting system, to purely go on the central nervous system, you know, one-third to two-thirds of the reps that they could have done, and straight, just it got, the, got the central nervous system out of its own way to, to just completely adapt. So I tell people, you know, when it comes to strength, and, and if you read the old, you know, the... The old, um, he was saying this to you. You read the um, the, the 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 training books of the old-time strong man in the early 1900s before bodybuilding got a foothold in this continent. Um, they, they, especially George F. Jowett, he describes if, if you have burn, that's the opposite of strength. That's muscle building. Like strength, you're almost like seducing the body into being. You're tricking the body into being strong. Um, yeah but like so when people ask me like where can i suffer i say okay there's two places where you can really suffer uh pure hypertrophy i mean intensity is intensity of exercise is the number one you know contributing factor towards muscle growth so there's that and then hard conditioning i mean like when you have a hard conditioning session i mean you're, you're pressing um the cardiovascular system as hard as you can you're pressing um you know, you type two B, you type one muscle fibers for muscle endurance as hard as you can. Like, dude, you can suffer to your heart's content. My favorite day of the week is my heart conditioning day. Forty five yeah. minutes of forty five minutes of in lactic intervals or cardiac power intervals. Like, but my teammates have seen the look in my face. My teammates see me like talking to myself, like under my breath. Like I look like a crazed lunatic. And it's yeah. my favorite thing of the week. You know, it's like, all right, cool. I've allowed myself like right, this is the time where I can plug this in. The other times you gotta get out of your own way. It's it's not it's not a war nonstop. But there is an inner fury within that needs to be like tempered and applied accordingly in all things.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very easy to let that, you know, rage sort of spill over into other areas of your life. When you when it's not contained well inside your session. And for me, uh we talked about this on the last podcast, but that was probably one of the worst things I think I've done you know it felt so good it feels good being pissed it feels good being mad and unfortunately when you start tapping into that a little too much your anger that was your mood now becomes a state that state becomes a phase and that phase becomes you and that isn't good for anyone
0: no no it's not it's actually a weakness too if you can't reel that in like there's, something, there's some mentally it's that's, that's weak you know a lot of people you know Look at the fighters people revere, right? They, they, they don't talk about, a lot of people don't talk about the champions. They talk about the people who are like bold and brash and like talking mad shit, you know, Darren Tills, your Conor McGregor's, And I was like, yeah. those guys don't last. They yeah, don't they actually don't. reach the pinnacle. The guys who reach the pinnacle are incredibly tempered and they're so honed. They're, they're channeling their fury north, not towards exploding outward. Towards technique, you know, George St. Pierce, Samantha um, Sugar Ray Robinson, in boxing all the greatest of all time in the combat sports, yeah. at least. Ed- Eddie Cohn, too. I mean, you know, look like at powerlifting wise. Yes, Eddie- I talked to
1: him the other day, actually, briefly. He, he said what? that I-, I messaged him if he'd come on the podcast, and I got a, a misspelled maybe, and I was like, I'll take that. What, dude? Yeah.
0: talking yeah. Ed Cohn,
1: oh, man. That would be a really cool one to have him. Um. I've talked with you familiar with Westside Barbell? Oh, of course. Of course. Oh dude. I, I've had a I have have had a few of their members on the podcast. Um and like talking to them about training, it's like it all goes back to the Russians. Like just when you when you brought the Russians up earlier, I was like, they had everything right. They and it's probably, you know, I mean, whether you agree with how they got it the results ethically, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit up for debate, but it's like they knew what was going on and like the sample groups that they had, thousands of people to study on. It's like yeah. they got results, and like if you're you are really an idiot if you're not going to listen to those results. Yeah, we, we, people don't get too because like I, I had this discussion with a guy who's like a big big West
0: Side fan too, and I was telling him some and like they're on steroids. Like, dude, all the West Side guys are on steroids. Like, steroids aren't this Goldilocks thing that just make you like be able to completely just destroy the principles of the human body. Like, steroids amplify them, you still actually have to adhere to a certain set of principles. This isn't an era where all the guys are on steroids, right? So you have to be incredibly smart with your program to get ahead. To this day, listeners, the Soviet Union still has the most medals in weightlifting, and that country hasn't existed for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is, What does that tell you? Um, there's, there's there's a lot of knowledge there. There's, there's a lot of wisdom there, and, you know, that's one of the few big... One of the few benefits of a communist state that was obsessed with sports—it's like, all right, cool. We're going to play all this money towards how to get better. I mean, such as the strength sports they got really good at. The the combat sports they got really good at too. Their judo guys, their the the Eastern block for wrestling is just unrivaled, honestly. Um, you know, the yeah. taekwondo guys were good too. You know, they these when they set up um, the pyramid system in Cuba when Cuba went communist. Um, They sent their boxing coaches there, and the Cubans ran with it. You see, the highest standard as a country for boxing is Cuba. Like, the level, the high level of technique is just the the baseline, you know, like the the floor is much higher than any other country. It's
1: insane.
0: And that came from this this sort of block, and that's sort of like people. And the reason why, you know, the, the Russians actually majorly respect Ed Cohen is because he had that kind of hybrid system. He used the central nervous system, and then he did that speed work you're talking about for the muscle spindles to get that elasticity and that explosion that can be a game-changer if you if you utilize all the systems correctly.
1: Yeah, dude, I was watching video of him the other day. This is from, like, I think 2017 or 16. The dude's, he's old. He's pretty old by then. And he still pulled, like, 660 for, I think, like, a set of four. It's like that's insane. Like when strength can last that long, it's like you got to be listening to these people because it's, it's it's not just genetics at that point. They know what's going on, and I wish, dude, my high school teachers, uh, coaches, in in the, in the various sports, like they they needed desperately to pick up a Soviet weightlifting manual or something, something that was talking about maybe conjugate or one of these things because they're they're every single time we'd be training in the pool or running. I'd say my running coaches probably had it down a little bit better. It's like they, they, they knew how to peak basic peaking but when we we're doing three hours in the pool plus the, plus another workout outside the pool and then we're doing two a days as well too it's like the people weren't getting better at a certain point it's like they, and everyone was getting five six hours of sleep nobody was eating enough no one no one knew what proper training looked like or proper recovery looked like It's like of course we didn't get better of course we were one of the worst swim athletes Swim teams in the area. It's because none of none of us were training smart. We might have had the intensity variable down, but if, if the coach picked up a training manual that was somewhat halfway decent, they would have really realized how many flaws were in their programming and periodization that just should not have been there. It's like we're in 2022. we were 20. I think it was 2020, maybe 2019 back then. But it's like we shouldn't be training like idiots at this point. It's like how many dozens of books have been written that are like that we all can learn from, how many wells of knowledge are out there, the Matt Wennings, the Mark Bells, the uh, uh, Eddie Cohns, the Westside Barbells, how many organizations and people are out there that have, that have raised the bar of knowledge a, a step above where we were at before? Like, we need to be learning from these people, and why are we learning from these people?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the frameworks that they that they, they create, like, be kind of, this is, you know, Pavel's the guy who talks about this, like, um, you, people get obsessed with things that are new, and they throw the frameworks out completely, and um, there are certain things that you can add to these frameworks, like, uh, I think he, there's that guy, Fabio Zani, that um, he, he, him and Pavel put out a new kind of hypertrophy program um, you know, called Built Strong. And it's they're they're adding hypertrophy, you know, at, at the the rates of you know, of of, of gain as like someone like a, like a Dorian Yates, you know, it's more myofibular base rather than a sarcoplasmic, but um, the, the, the rate of growth of muscle is a similar similar range without all the soreness. So if you're a guy who's a movement sport, you know, a combat sport athlete or a swimmer too, honestly. You know, you're you're freed up to to, to do to, to actually do your sport effectively, um, and gain muscle and gain strength. It's like you have to have everything balanced. If you if, if you want to dial up the intensity to 11 and everything, cool. But you got to make sure the workouts are spaced out with enough time. You're getting enough sleep, and your nutrition is dialed in. If not, good luck to you. Man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, and I, I hope that. Honestly, dude, at what point do you think these fad diets, these fad training programs, will just disappear? Because like, I don't, I don't know how we're still seeing this this inadequacy of information in the age that we're currently at. Like, at what point do people wake up and realize that they could be doing things a million times better than they currently are?
0: I don't know. I mean, that's 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 the catch-22. Like, for us, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. But you and I, when we started, we're both just doing stuff in the wind. And the thing is, you know, if you're passionate about it, you're going to keep, you know, searching, and you keep searching for doing things like that. But a lot of people, they just want the quick fix, right? They're like, I just don't know what to do. I kind not do it. If no one tells them, they'll throw something at the wall and open sticks and stick with that. And there's so much misinformation out there. And the problem is, so many people want with the fad diets and fad training, they want to press into one thing, like squat every day or uh, carbs are Satan. Uh, actually, yeah. just kidding. Fats are Satan now. Um, actually, you know what? Be vegan. Like, yeah, uh, enough like that. Paleo. Yeah, paleo is good. Keto, carnivore. Like, it's just it's, – it's it's, all this extremity. There's no nuance. And it's it, – the, the, the better you get in your diet, the more nuance you get. The better the better you get in your training, the more nuanced your training. Like, it's, it's that, that principle – we understand now that like these guys in the beginning they're just like they have the best intentions, like just just like us too. It's like wanna go as tense as possible. It's like, all right, cool, that makes sense in certain contexts, in other contexts not so much. So honestly, I don't think fad diets and fad trainings are ever gonna go away unless there's like some I don't know. There's some actually from my best friend who I got in a training, he messaged me earlier, he's like, What do you think about like government subsidized gyms?
1: I was right? just about to say that, dude. <laughs> i wish man yeah i I wish you know we'd have like a sylvia weightlifting course in like high school if not if not to make you a good athlete at least to establish some proper training variables and like understand you know basic human psychology and physiology just a little bit better it's like the the amount that i've learned about the brain and body from lifting that isn't lifting based could be a whole class in of itself like psychology dude I've probably gotten a few, a uh, few, few uh, hundred hours of like psychology from just learning lifting and like doing research, on, like how the brain works, how we can lift more using our brain, the neural drive stuff. It's like this stuff. There's more than just big man lift strong weight. It's it's there's lifestyle, there's longevity, there's training for not only lifting heavy weights, but training so that you can be holding your child in in 30 years, you know, so you can be playing with your grandkids and living. You know, especially in like with how obese everyone is now. And that's an argument, dude, that just pisses me off. It's like, how many people do you see just promoting how okay it is to be obese? Like, how normalized has it gone to where it's like, you, you can be as fat as you want and you're still healthy. It's like, that's complete bullshit. It's like, fat is not beautiful. You, you should love yourself enough to make the change. Your self-worth should not come from how you look but the effort that you put into being better. And that that might be a small journey, but as long as you're putting that effort in there, that's, for me, like, that you're valuable as a friend at that point. But, dude, it's it's kind of disgusting seeing where society's going in that sense. Just how much weakness is okay and allowed, like, that's something that just gets me gets me riled up.
0: Dude, it's, you know, it's, yeah, first of all, like, in Hellenic Greece. Um, gyms were considered essential, you know, for mental health. physical health was mental health. So they understood in that. You know, JFK talked about uh, how uh, physical weakness, you know, is 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 a it could be a potential plague to society. Talked about that as well. When it comes to obesity, like if you're obese, you're not healthy. Like it's 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 plain as day. What's you know for COVID nineteen eighty four, you know what's what's the the primary marker that, you know, you're gonna really suffer. But it's obesity. It's it's not it's not even cardiovascular disease. It's not, you know, it's something I'm doing the lungs. It's obesity. And yeah. what what kinda of drives me nuts though too is like it's a the you, you see this a lot. It's like either you're gonna be just completely normalizing this mental illness that obesity can be healthy. Or you're just gonna be this fat shaming asshole. Like you don't need to do like you really do like like I do fat shaming works like yeah maybe. Like if you're able to like find them and fat shame them every day and they trust you, but like, is is that really going to get people to come back to the gym? Most of the time, no, it's not. Like yeah. the, you you like people need your help. Like they need the encouragement. They also need the discipline. You have to sort of recognize, you know, who needs what at what time. But um, you know, you need to you need to get them obsessed. You need to get them hooked, so that way they 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 actually eventually take complete control of your health like that is going to be um more help helping our fellow man much better down the line without a doubt i agree you know in 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 terms of in terms of what you're doing right now i mean so for the listeners um you know colin is well on his way to a 700 pound deadlift uh the other day i saw him squatting 405 for seven reps you know rate of perceived exertion seven you know he's animal so what's 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 your programming looking like nowadays
1: yeah so i'm doing um have you heard of uh i think it's uh i think dan i'm on one of dan bell's programs right now i want to say dan bell maybe i'm trying to think of uh well, i'm gonna pull it up real quick i'm so bad with names but i'm on you know uh have you heard of the mountain dog yes i have so I'm on, it's actually, I'm on his program and Dave Tate, where they bring powerlifting and bodybuilding together just a little bit. For me, the bodybuilding is something to keep it a little bit more interesting, because I get kind of bored with the powerlifting, and like, when I become so focused on how much weight that I'm lifting, my day is kind of ruined when I don't lift that weight. So if, for me, like that, uh, there's been a nice outlet in that sense, but I'm doing third program together, um, and so I have that like Westside Barbell approach, and then I have the Mound Dog and his bodybuilding approach, um, rest in peace, but... Like that's, that's kind of what my program looks like right now. And then I'm running. I want to, I want to do it a little bit more, um, with Wisconsin it gets so cold to where it's like almost dangerous to be outside, especially with the wind. So like we had a wind chill of like negative 15 the other day, um, stuff like that. And like for running on the, in, in, those days for me, it's like, as much as I know I'd love to, I don't want to like end my run with like frostbite on my face and whatnot. So I've been, kind of, kind of limiting my conditioning a little bit, but I'd love to get outside again and continue running just increasing the distance um i want to run a half marathon in the next week or two just just wing it and just run a half marathon like that that for me is like peak peak performance if i can just pick a random day and run a really far distance and do it with routes of good time like that for me is like i've won in that sense
0: that sounds fantastic man there's a there, that he's a guy he's down in austin yeah he, uh, he's he made a name for himself um he ran a sub five mile and squatted 500 pounds in the same day. Like, that was a you.
1: I think I actually, uh, was he an Olympic runner? I don't know if he was
0: an Olympic runner. I know he's a big CrossFit guy. That's yes. Sort of I saw a video on him.
1: Yeah, that was a, I think I watched that video recently. Um, is it Nick Simmons? Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, I think that's how it's player.
0: Yeah, no, he's
1: he's cool. It's cool seeing endurance athletes, um, mainly endurance athletes, start like switching up like their training. And for me, it's been really cool seeing a powerlifter switch up and do some more conditioning and endurance based stuff. And like, dude, I'm, I'm going to be honest, with the carryover has been almost scary. It's like how quick, how easily it was, how easy it was to get pretty decent at running. Like, first time I ran, I think I did like maybe a, a 5k. Relatively, it was hard. Like, I ended up sweating. Next thing you know, I'm like. 12k 14k 15k i'm ending it feeling as good as i did when i started it and feeling like i had like another another eight miles nine miles left in the tank like that's a really cool feeling to have like i would end my workouts just pumped for the like and my end my conditioning workouts which i used to hate so excited for the next one because i just got to prove to myself that like my old boundaries just did not exist anymore
0: yeah i actually mean, I, I, I had a conversation with um Honestly, you know, one with a tail end of bartending, but, like, the best bartender in, in, in America. Like, I, I worked in New York. I got to see all, like, the the celebrity bartenders, right? And working with this guy on the Bay who doesn't go after accolades, but he's, he's, he's literally the, the best I've ever encountered. And him and I were talking about it, It's like, dude, like, the, the limits on the mind are kind of illusions, like, what the body's capable of. Like, you, know, you see stories of, you know, guys... You know, lifting cars off of kids, you know, it's like when you actually if people were able to tap in on like removing those limits, it's 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 pretty insane, but you know, and, and, and that's kind of the flip side, you know, we we were talking about, you know, um, you know, programming when it comes to, you know, the most effective programming, right? And then then there's then there's then there's people who completely throw that formula. Like you look at David Goggins You're like, what the hell are you doing like but yeah. the, the mind the mind is i feel like he's pressing into the mind so hard that he's sort of like chipping away at, at, at the boundaries honestly
1: yeah what is a human capable of and I, I don't think we actually know yet like I, it's still still something that's being pushed farther and farther and farther um and, and still something that's being proved to me day in and day out how like much I truly haven't tapped into what I'm capable of and there is a point where like I shouldn't be tapping into like that every day but it's like just to constantly pushing the boundaries just a little bit like um, if I think I can do this much weight for this many reps it's like I got three more in me it's like I can do those three more I can do this many miles at this pace it's like you know I can I can lower the, I can increase my speed and increase the distance and like I do it it's like okay this is kind of you know my, my self-imposed limitations at this point are kind of almost a joke
0: yeah like before before yeah back when I was you know, like people have heard, you know, some my Christian testimony, basically, uh, especially on my podcast, Prismatic Orthodox, that an old prodigal son And yeah, before. Like, I've recently come back to God in full force, but um, in my original sort of Orthodox practice, you know, celibacy, I was planning on being a monk down the line, like, that level of prayer that I was tapping into, that carried over to the mind, like, you know, no sleep, doing, you 100 know, 100- uh, 15 pound Turkish get up with a barbell and um some of the some of the squat PRs that I was doing in the middle of the night, like after bartending, no food. It's like you you you, you when you when you that that mental practice is key. Like a lot of guys really don't know how to train their mind. And when they're training their 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 physical training too, like yeah they may be suffering, right? They may be pressing into it, but they're not actually focusing on altering their being like they're not focusing on the fact that they should feel leaving that workout changed in some way for the better. Like a lot of people just do the thing and leave. Um, a lot of people aren't getting every single aspect of their... every single
1: aspect of benefit from the training with their mind. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you on that, Mark. Certainly something that's pretty fascinating to look into, and every viewer should be trying to push just a little bit more. It's like if we are not getting better it's like why are we here if, if our impact on the world isn't expanding it's like well, why are we here you know absolutely
0: we yeah we, we have a next thing to contribute as a generation just that's something that that's, that's one of the few earthly duties we have you know what I mean? it's, um it, not everything turns to you know everything eventually you know dust to dust right but um you know, what do you pass on to the next generation that they can tangibly hold and, and use and and, yeah. uh, and step on as a foundation to you know to go to the next level. It's 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 important. Um for the listeners, as we wrap up here, you, ever, you should really check out Colin's podcast, Primal Life Podcast, on YouTube. It's P R I M L L I F E. Uh, he has a lot of great, you know, um, strength practitioners, endurance practitioners, some people in the military. Um, you know, a lot of people with great wisdom. Um, definitely check that out. Um, before we go, you're gonna you're telling me uh, before you got on, you're getting into, you know, into into a supplement company. you care to talk about that for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I have two supplements that are. Cur- everything's already here. I'm just waiting for the time to, to mix it all with my uh, my business partners. but we're doing one that's gonna be like a social um, social inhibitions remover. So for people who are like really nervous to talk to new people, they can take this and just kind of throw themselves into the fire and be a little bit more calm and sort of, you know, learn how to function optimally in a way where they don't need, you know, alcohol, they don't need any other drugs, they can be kind of learn how to talk to people and then eventually just not even need to take the drug anymore. Um, it's It's going to be a bunch of Bunch of various amino acids and various uh, nootropic substances that are good for us as well, too. So it's like your brain health will probably improve. Your dopamine um, health will probably return to the proper baseline a little bit more. And the other other one that I'm doing is just a very, very uh, standalone nootropic that someone could take every day for just having a little bit of an edge. We want to market it to, like, fighters almost, people who need fighters, anyone who's uh, doing a very strategic or technical job as well, too. So that's been a lot of fun because that's that for me. It's like okay, we, we know how the body works. We know how protein, like this this amount of protein powder will help us uh, with this this much recovery. But it's like now, like in terms of the brain, it's like if you can think harder, be more, like if you can think harder, talk better. It's like that opens a million more doors. And so that's been something that me and my business partners have been putting a lot of time and effort and finances in, and I can't wait for the final results. Wow
0: i'm looking forward to seeing those results man what's what's the what's the timeline on that and how can people
1: uh you know keep tabs on it well i i want to say by the end of next week both the products will be fully mixing in pill form um past that i'm just waiting for my graphics designer guy to get back to me on the, the logos and product um uh not description but the product um the more the more aesthetic side of it where it's like the the, the covering of the, the pill bottle that we'll be selling it in, but it, it's all stuff that's not nothing that's regulated or illegal or any of that stuff. It's just stuff, alpha-GPC, alpha tyrosine, alpha-theanine. Um, I think one of them we were considering caffeine with it, but just the various compounds that are similar to that to help us be better at our jobs. Um, and so probably I want to say at the end of the month we'll be selling it online at that point, which will be pretty cool to be at.
0: Wow. Well, I'm definitely looking definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I'll send you a bottle. Yeah, I'll appreciate that, man. Uh you know, I'm gonna be moving to Texas soon. That's that's much closer to Wisconsin. I'll have to drive up at some point to be some training in. That would be um, incredible. Awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much. Uh thank you so much for being on you know, be the first guest in the Blood and Train
1: podcast, man. As always, it is a pleasure. All of our conversations are fantastic, and you know, I know that the viewers from listening to you talk, you know, they're they're definitely their lives are being improved. You know, they're they're learning how to be better people, be better athletes, better fighters, better thinkers, better husbands. So it is such an honor to have you in my life too, because you've made me a better person in so many ways. So it's it's an honor, man.
0: Likewise, brother. Likewise, knowing that there's people like you in the next generation until so it was before that that pushes me to do that me to push myself further to the lead honestly um, you know you're hearing inspiration to me um, you know striving for your striving for at such a young age so um I, I feel blessed to have you in my life brother
1: perfect man hey it's that it's responsibility we all have to make the world a better place and you and me are both both try to uh, fulfill that to the max so I just following following Jesus
0: yeah we're, we're, we're get we're getting after it as brothers in Christ man like amen
1: to that Yes, sir.
0: Amen. And to the listeners, thank you so much for listening the first uh, Blood and Train podcast, the first of many. As always, good night and good storms. Thank you.
1: There we go.